0: church let's give him praise and glory for who he is and who he's calling us to be the name of jesus the christ the name above all names let's sing of the greatness of our god today let's worship
1: Southview. We're so glad you're worshiping with us today. Here are our three big announcements for the week. Our equipper classes will start back up on September the 13th. These classes are designed to help the believer grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll have more information about this forthcoming soon. Our Face-to-Faith Faith ministry is a local missions ministry here at Southview Baptist Church. The purpose of this ministry is to go downtown and minister to our area homeless community. They do this both physically and more importantly, spiritually, they need some help. They need someone to help pull the trailer to and from the location on Friday evenings. If you can help out or would like more information about this ministry, please call our church office at 910-424-1298. Did you know there are 4,500 Southern Baptist churches in North Carolina? Recently, Southview has been recognized as one of the top missions-giving churches. And thanks to your generosity and God's blessings, this allows people to go on the mission fields and take the message of salvation and love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We encourage everyone to download the Southview Baptist Church app from Google Play or iTunes. This will allow you to view other announcements It will also allow you to find a journey group, view previous sermons, and download the sermon notes for today's message. There are also multiple ways to give here at Southview. You can either do it through the Southview Baptist Church app, which is safe and secure, or you may make your gifts to the giving boxes located at the base of the stairwells on either side of the front of the sanctuary. If you're a guest worshiping with us today, we're very glad to have you here. We would like to connect with you and get to know you a little better. The easiest way to do that is text the word connect to 910-424-1298. That way we can pray for you or minister to you and your family in whichever way you may need. And again, thank you for choosing to worship with us here at Southview today. Now, let's go into the worship service with praise and music and a message from our pastor.
0: Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys? It is so, so good to be here with those that love Jesus and with those that are seeking the truth. And I was sitting in my office this morning and I was I wanted to take just a moment to remind you, to remind myself why we gather in song, you know? Why do we worship? And how can we do this effectively? You know, before God wants us to sing, God wants our hearts. Right it all starts there and I'm reminded of Hosea chapter 6. God says for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But to be able to do that we have to have God transform our hearts renew our hearts first. Psalm 51:10 says create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me. That's the very first step. And so as he does that, as he continues to sanctify believers, I pray that we would see him for who he really is. We would marvel at his greatness and we would sing because we see who Christ is and what he's done. Stand with me. Let's sing. Our hearts are yours, Lord. Thank you.
2: Come
3: All right. well, good afternoon, morning, afternoon, I don't know what it is, I have no idea. Already feels like afternoon. Hope you guys are doing well today. If you are a guest with us, welcome to you. My name is Brad, I am the pastor here at Southview, and it is great to have you today worshiping with us. If you have a Bible, find the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Um, for those of you that have been connected with us over the last week or so via social media, you may be aware that we were praying for our Kenya mission team. They are home and all is good. And. Um, and then we also ha- now have a team in Puerto Rico this week ministering, and they'll be back um, in, uh, uh, in a, a week or so. And so uh, in a few weeks, we're going to have a chance to hear from all of our mission teams this summer, uh, everywhere that they've been, so you'll be able to hear the good things that the Lord has been doing around the world and through this congregation, and then also a little bit of a taste for how you can maybe be a part of missions moving forward as a congregation but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today and we are uh, in a little series this summer called I love that verse and the idea behind this series is that again we love the entire bible we're a bible believing church um, all scripture is given to us by god and is profitable for correcting us and rebuking us and teaching us training us up in righteousness um, And at the same time, as you've ever been reading through the scriptures, occasionally there comes a verse that just comes flying off the page, man. It just just grips your heart. Verses that are just life-changing, verses that if you really grab a hold of the truth of that verse and, and inject it into your soul, it literally changes the trajectory of your life. So we're just looking at some really cool verses that have impacted many people Uh, throughout the centuries of walking with Jesus and trusting Jesus. Today, as we look at Philippians chapter 4, we're going to tackle the issue of anxiety and peace. Anxiety and peace. Um, I'm going to make a very bold statement here. You ready? It is God's perfect will that his children never sinfully worry about anything anything ever it is god's perfect will that you always be at peace now it's interesting so i've been I, i've been doing this for a little while and and as i would preach this passage say 20 years ago um the response would be um, conviction, right? Uh, the response would be um, um, hitting in the heart and go, oh, wow, I see that in myself. I know that's not what the Lord desires. Okay, Lord, I confess that sin. I want to trust you. I want to walk in peace. Empower me in this. But after 20 years, can I be honest with you? The, as I preach this message today, and maybe this is going to be different. Maybe, maybe the real heathens are in the second service and you guys are awesome. I don't know. Right, You're here early, you clearly love Jesus more, so it's just obvious. Um, but after 20 some odd years of doing this, as I preach this message today, here's what I think is going to happen. For, for some people in the room today, your response to this is going to be defensiveness and anger. Because you have been conditioned by this world to believe that anxiety is normal and just a part of life you've been conditioned to believe that this is a normal part of life your therapist your doctor tells you it's normal i mean medication and therapy for anxiety is a multi billion dollar business listen to me i mean i'm not a, it's so funny people are like oh you're a conspiracy theory guy yep people thought noah was a conspiracy theorist until it started raining right now he's like it's going to rain in the desert like what we'd never even heard of rain you're a conspiracy theorist and then it started raining why do you think they want you to believe it's normal to be anxious? Because they're getting filthy, stinking rich off you being anxious. Right? I mean, those meds cost money. People are getting rich off you thinking it's normal. So then you come in here and I say this, and you're like, How dare you? I feel condemned. I mean, this is just who I am. And now you're telling me it's a sin? But here's what I want you to hear, okay? I don't want you to hear today condemnation. I don't want you to hear today accusation. I don't want you to hear today um, uh, attacks. Here's what I want you to hear today. Listen to me very carefully. God has something better for you. God has something better for you. The children of God filled with the Spirit of God are to walk in the supernatural peace of God. And you accepting a life short of that is the equivalent of the son of a billionaire rejecting his inheritance and begging for crumbs on the street. It's asinine. God's desire is to give you something better. So let's jump in. Philippians chapter 4. Let's just read verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Love that verse man. So so the, so the The big shocking command, the shock to your system is found in verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, right? So I try to be a good preacher, and so that means I want to study hard. And so what I did was I grabbed that word. Anxious, And I started doing a deep dive study into it, right? So I started trying to find all the places in the Bible where anxiety is mentioned, right? Because I want to get a good understanding of what God is telling us not to be. Because, because the command is clear. Do not be anxious about anything. Got it. Right? So I'm, I'm studying this thing. So I find the word anxiety in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll just read it to you. We'll throw it up on the screen. So I'm reading 2 Corinthians 11, this is the Apostle Paul, right? So he's talking about how he's been beaten and stoned and whipped and left for dead. All these horrible things that he's had to endure. And then he gets to verse 28. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. And I'm like, what? I mean... The Apostle Paul seemingly just said he's anxious. But he's also the guy back in Philippians that said, don't be anxious. Right? So I I immediately put my Greek geek hat on and said, Well, clearly, here's what's gonna happen, right? These are two different Greek words. Right? That's right, this is the part of the sermon where the pastor says, in your English Bible, it says anxiety for both. But in the Greek, it's actually two different words. Right, So that's what I assumed. So so I grabbed my handy-dandy Greek New Testament and opened it up and I start flipping through and I look and I went, oh no, it's the same word. Miramneo, anxious, troubled, stirred. So you got Paul in Philippians saying, don't be anxious. And you have in the second Corinthians going, hey, I'm really kind of anxious for these churches. Thinking, okay, 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 okay. Well, surely that's not something that he's going to encourage us to be. That doesn't make sense. Like, he wouldn't tell us not to be anxious and then encourage someone in being anxious. That wouldn't make sense. So then I found Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. So we'll throw that up on the screen. In Philippians 2, 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Verse 24, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. That word concerned is the same word, miram neo. What he's saying is this Look, I'm really, I'm sending Timothy to you because I'm really commending him because he's anxious for you just like I'm anxious for you. Like, what? Like, what is happening right now? All right? So don't be anxious, but here's anxiety. So then I keep diving in some more and I get to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking. In verse 25, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So you got this weird thing happening, right? Don't be anxious. I'm anxious. This guy's anxious. You don't be anxious. It's making me anxious. I don't know what's going on right now. So I start trying to put all this thing together like a puzzle piece, right? And, and, And as I'm praying through this and I'm looking through it all, I'm grabbing this scripture and I'm grabbing that scripture I'm trying to understand the totality of the scriptures. What does the Bible teach on this idea of anxiety? What I came to is this. There is a good and righteous and biblical concern that you can have for a person or an individual, or a situation because you love them, you want good for them, and you're concerned that something bad may happen, right? This is the Apostle Paul. He was concerned for his churches because he didn't want them falling into false teaching. He didn't want them growing cold in their love for Jesus, and so he was was concerned for them. And at the same time, though, there's a sinful anxiety that causes you to stir up fleshly things inside of you. So the question is, how do you know when you've left righteous good anger and slipped over into sinful anger, righteous good anxiety and slipped over into sinful anxiety? How do you know where that is? And this is where I think Philippians 4 comes in. So if you go back to Philippians chapter 4, I think what we see here, it lays out for us a good understanding of how you know where you fall on this. Again, it is God's absolute, total, and complete perfect will that you do not fall into the trap of sinful anxiety. And Philippians 4 is going to give us an outline, I think, of how to know where we're landing on that. So Philippians chapter 4, go back to that, and we're going to back up and start in verse 4, okay? So let's read Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So we've looked at that command there in verse 6. Do not be anxious about Anything. This is very clearly talking about this sinful anxiety and worry that is dangerous and is commanded by God that we avoid it at all costs. And not only does he say don't be anxious, he adds like a little exclamation point on the end. Do not be anxious about, what's that word? Anything, right? All the things, all of it. Don't be anxious or worried or fretful about anything before we dive in can I just I want to paint a picture for you just for a quick moment how different would your life be if you weren't anxious about anything how different would your life be anxiety is it wrecks your soul it wrecks your body like it can it makes you sick it robs you of sleep It literally changes you. How many times have you looked at someone, had someone look at you and say, hey, you look worried. It literally changes you physically. It changes your walk with the Lord. Robs you of peace, robs you of joy, robs you of faith. How different would your life be? Right now, just for a quick moment, I just want to take a second, and I just want you, by faith, to think about what would your life be free from all anxiety and worry? Just free from it. Do you want that? Is that a life that you'd like to have? I believe it's yours in Christ. I believe it is God's desire for you to walk in that. So how do we do it? So as we look back there at those verses, 4 through 6, so you have that command there, don't be anxious. But in verses 4 through 6, there are a group of other commands wrapped around that. And I think if we kind of look at those commands, we're going to be able to get a, paint a picture for us of how to know we've, we've tripped, slipped over into sinful anxiety and how to stay away from that, all right? And so I want to kind of look at these verbs, and I want to, I want to present it to you through a series of questions for you to consider, all right? So let's pick it up in verse 4. Again, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The verbs there are rejoice. It's mentioned twice. It's in the present active indicative, which means it is a command of God for you to always do this. Rejoice. So here's my question for you. Where is your joy? Where is your joy? What? I'm not asking what makes you happy. Where do you find your joy? That that foundation of of excitement and contentment in life, where do you find your joy? Sinful anxiety comes from seeking our joy in things other than Christ. Look again at that scripture, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not in your circumstances, not in your situation, not in other people, and the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now again, the Apostle Paul is the one writing this here, the book of Philippians. Um, quick Bible quiz for you. Does anyone know where the Apostle Paul is when he's writing the book of Philippians? I heard it. He's in he's in jail. He is not shacked up in the Jerusalem Hilton. He's in jail. And listen, I don't, we're not going to have a show of hands. I don't know how many of you have been in prison. We're not going to do that, right? Um, we can, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But there's a marked difference between modern-day prison and first-century Roman jail okay we've done some excavation work around this area where the apostle paul was and it's believed that he was in a type of jail cell where literally it's a hole cut in the ground with a with a metal grate over top of it and he's placed inside of it and it's just enough room for you to stand and lean but not enough room for you to sit down and lie so it's it's designed to be torture, and they would just drop your food down on top of you and eat it off the ground Soldiers, just to humiliate you, would, would um, uh, use the bathroom into your jail cell just for more torture. And he is in that situation. He is in that circumstance. Through no fault of his own, he's committed no crime, he's broken no law. All he's done is preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And the result of that is, this is where he finds himself. Bad circumstance, bad situation, and he responds by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, the book of Philippians, and I'm debating um, if we need to just go ahead and preach through the book of Philippians here at some point. The whole book of Philippians is about joy, 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 joy. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your situation, joy. Rejoice. And the Lord always. And here's why this is significant, okay? If your joy is found in anyone or anything other than Jesus, that will be an open door for anxiety in your life. Here's how this works. Let's say hypothetically the greatest joy in your life is your children. Right? Kids are great. They are, again, the Bible would say children are a gift from God, a blessing from the Lord. They're a good and great and glorious thing. But they are not meant to be the ultimate source of joy in your life. They are not meant to be that for you. Here's why. If your children are the ultimate source of joy in your life, in order for you to be full of joy, things have to be going great with your kids. And when things aren't going well with your kids, you begin to get filled with anxiety. You have to work and manipulate and strive to make sure everything is good with your kids. You have to give them everything that they think that they need. You have to do for them everything that they think needs to be done or everything the society and world tells you that needs to be done. You have to become absolutely furious when anyone else doesn't think that your kid's as awesome as you think it is. Why? Because that's your source of joy. And if that gets messed with, your joy is gone and anxiety is creeping up in you to try to get that back in line. This is why joy cannot be found in your marriage. Marriage is a great and amazing gift from God. But if, you're, if it's your source of joy, then you will be anxious and fearful and worried when things aren't perfect in the marriage. Work is a great gift from God. It's given to you before the fall. It's a, it's a gift from the Lord. But if that's where you find your joy, if you find your true joy in your work, then you're anxious when things aren't well at work. Why? Because your joy is getting messed with. However, when your joy is in the Lord, nothing goes sideways with God. Nothing gets mixed up and twisted with God. You get to have joy in Him. How can the Apostle Paul be in a Roman jail And still be full of joy. And not be anxious and worried about his current state or situation. Because his joy is in the Lord. And not a circumstance. If you're wanting to be free from anxiety, you must have your joy in the Lord. How do you get joy in the Lord? You get joy in the Lord by seeing more and more and more how great and glorious and awesome God is right Matthew chapter 13 verse 44 a scripture that I quote all the time here it's a man who finds treasure in a field and it's so amazing this treasure is so glorious that he buries it goes home sells everything that he has and uses that money to buy that field with much joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field to get that treasure why would he do that Why is he filled with joy? He's getting rid of everything that he's ever worked for. Why is he filled with joy? Because he knows that treasure is worth it. When you see how great and glorious and awesome and worthy God is, you're filled with joy for him. The reason your joy is not in the Lord is because you don't know how worthy God is of being your source of joy. Your problem is a lack of knowledge of the glory and beauty of God. If you knew how beautiful God was, if you knew how glorious God was, you would gladly find your joy in him and no one and nothing else. So how do you do that? Well, that's why we're here. We want to help you with that. right? In the announcements, you saw the equip classes starting up in the fall. Take one of our classes that seeks to lay out for you the character and nature and glory and beauty of god week after week for 12 13 weeks in a row just this is who god is this is who god is this is who god is and as you're weekly being fed by this and seeing this you're seeing more and more and more how beautiful and awesome and glorious god is and so your joy is filled up in him spend time in his word Just open up the scriptures and just read verses about the character and nature and glory and beauty of God. As you see who God is, your joy is soaked up in him. This is the cure for anxiety, brothers and sisters. When you see how glorious and beautiful and amazing God is, and your joy is just in him, not in your circumstance, not in your situation, not how well your marriage is, your kids are, or where you live, or where you work, or how things are going. Just in Him, there's no anxiety there, because your joy is in the Lord. Second thing, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. So there are two verbs in that verse, let means to sort of to give, to be known, to 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 proclaim knowledge, to to make something be be revealed to someone else. And so he's he's commanding here that you would do something. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What's reasonableness? What does that mean? The word reasonableness means gentleness or control. So here's literally what this verse is saying. Ready? Let your gentle self-control be known to everyone. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. You are commanded to show gentleness and self-control to everyone in every circumstance, in every situation, because you know that God is in control. This is ultimately where we come to. Why do you struggle with anxiety? Because you want to be in control. You want to control a circumstance... You want to control a situation. You want to control people. You want them to control their response. You want to control outcomes. So you anxiously seek to have your hands on it constantly. Again, let's just think about some of the real popular ones marriage. All right? Marriage is a gift from God, it's a blessing. Marrying Marie was hands down the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life. It was the smartest decision I ever made. And being married has single-handedly been the toughest thing I've ever done in my entire life. It's hard. In the best of circumstances and situations, it's hard. I mean, it is, God was the inventor of reality TV. I don't know if you realize that or not right in genesis he's just like hey let's just let's just take two crazy sinners throw them in a house together see what happens let's just mix it up let's just do it put some cameras in there let's just go right it however it if you feel the need to control your spouse if you feel the need to have your hands on how your spouse responds and acts and treats you and treats the kids and de- and you feel the need that you need to be the one to control that, yeah, you're going to be absolutely consumed with anxiety and worry and frets because you're kind to control it. Philippians 4, 5. This is describing the heart of someone who understands God fights my battles. I get to just sit back and trust him. That's a person that's full of joy. That's a person who gets to be at peace and not filled with anxiety and worry. Look again at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What's the next sentence? The Lord is at hand. Why can I sit back and be full of gentleness and self-control? Because I know God is here and he can handle it. You want to be free from anxiety. Stop trying to control everything and trust that God's going to do it. God's got this. Let God handle the situation. God is here. I trust him. I don't have to control. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to be the one in charge. I don't have to demand everybody do what I say. I don't have to be upset when they don't do what I tell them to do. I can just trust God. Psalm 23. David the psalmist. Right, He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, and you're a rod and staff that comfort me. The reason David could walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear any evil is because he knew God was there. It wasn't because he wasn't in a dangerous place. He was. It wasn't because he wasn't in a scary place. He was. But the reason he could fear no evil, even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, is because he knew God is here. What's bigger than fear? God. So you trust him. Brothers and sisters, do you want to be free from anxiety and worry? Do you want to truly, legitimately have a heart at peace? Understand that God is in control and not you. God is in control and not you. Trust him. Trust him. Then, verse 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The question here is, where is your focus? Is your mind focused on God in prayer? Or is your mind focused on your situation? Can you know why you're anxious? It's because you're constantly mulling over in your mind all of these things. Right? You're constantly thinking about it. You're constantly talking to yourself about it. You're constantly having imaginary conversations in your mind with that person. Right? Like, I'm in your head. Like, I know you're doing it. Where's your focus? Is your focus on the situation, on the circumstance, on the person, on, on what you're going to do, what you should do, what you shouldn't have done? Is your focus on you, on them, on the thing? Or is your focus on. God, where your mind is, is significant. Listen, this is, and, and I can't remember what I'm going to do this next week or the week after, but I'm going to do a, a, a message also in this series on just our mind and our thinking because it's massive. But where your mind is, where you're thinking, affects everything. Isaiah 26:3 says, You, speaking of God, God, you keep the person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed and focused on you because he trusts in you. The mind focused on God is a mind that is going to be at peace. The mind set on God is a mind that is walking in peace. Where are you thinking? Where is your focus? Where are you focused? Um, As you look at verse 6, the imperative there, the verb, the command that Paul is giving to the Philippians... It's concerning prayer and that they would make their requests known to God. So look again at that verse. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, or some of your translations may say, present your request to God. The command is that you would not sit and mull over these things, but that you would give them to the Lord. That you would present them in prayer to God. You would set them before the Lord. Praying about everything keeps anxiety from having a seat at the table. Imagine that you have your dining room table, all right, and you have however many chairs around your table. How many people are in your 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 house, right? So, um, for us at our family, we got six—you know, Marie and I and four kids—and so we have six chairs around our table. And once those chairs are filled up, there's no room for anyone else to sit, right? Once everybody sits down, there are no more seats at the table. What prayer does is prayer fills up the table of the seats in your mind, fills them all up with focus on God, and there's nowhere for anxiety to sit. Does that make sense? You're presenting your request to God. Instead of you mulling it over in your mind, you're setting it before the Lord. He is in control. He is sovereign. I trust him. He will act in a way that accomplishes his goodwill and is perfect for me. So I trust him for that. So I present my anxiety, I present my requests, I present my things to him. And it tells you specifically how to do it there in verse 6 again. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look at that. Prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. It's not enough to pray. It it really matters how you pray and your mindset when you pray. So can I just, we can chat just for a second about prayer. A lot of times, now listen, God hears all of our prayers, right? Sometimes I've been in situations in my life where all I could do, and I've been in times where I've just been mad, so I prayed angry. There have been times where I've been afraid, so I prayed fearful, right? So there are times where you just give God what you got, right? And there's nothing, I, I totally understand that, right? You're in this spot, you're in this situation, you don't know what to do, so you're just giving whatever you've got to God. I completely understand that. But that cannot be the foundation of your prayer life. For many of us, our prayer life is you just freak out, say amen, and call it prayer. The Bible says, present your request with a spirit of thanksgiving. What does that mean, thanksgiving? Thanksgiving means you're you're doing it with a thankful praise filled heart you're coming to the Lord saying Lord I thank you that I know you're in charge of this I thank you that you love me I thank you that you saw this day well before I ever did I Thank you that this does not change anything about your love for me. I thank you that this does not change who I am in Christ. Thank you, Lord. And so I ask you, I present these requests to you, knowing and believing, thanking you already that you're going to work your perfect will for your glory and my good. I thank you. you see the difference between that and amen? Just verbally throwing up and calling it amen? blessing your mess. It's a thankful heart. It's a mindset thing. Prayer is not about you just going through the motions of saying things and then saying amen. Prayer is about your heart before God. Do you you humbly? In fact, even if you look back at verse 6, where it says in everything by prayer and supplication, that word prayer, it's it's not so much about a thing that you do. That word prayer in the Greek is about a mindset and a posture. It means to lay down. Prayer is about you humbly submitting yourself to God in thanksgiving, saying, Lord, I trust you with this. See the difference? Where's your focus? If your focus is on you or the circumstance or the situation or the outcome, you see how anxiety can just well up so quickly? However, when our focus is on God in prayer, we're trusting Him and Him alone. It changes everything. And then we see what happens as a result of that, verse 7. What happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding... We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you have a, a Bible and a pen, I want you to underline a couple of words I think are really cool. The peace of God, which does two things, surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. you ever experienced that? you ever been in a situation where everyone around you is confused while you're not losing your mind? And it just doesn't make sense. Even to you, it doesn't make sense. It's the peace of God that surpasses and goes beyond all human reason and understanding because it is of God. You want that kind of peace? Again, that's a peace that's not based on your circumstance, not based on your situation, not based on the outcome. This is a peace that is based just on God, His glory, His worth, His beauty, His power, just God. Peace that passes all understanding. And the second thing that I want you to notice that it does, this peace that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard there, it's a military term. Right? It means to stand at post. And it says it guards two things, your heart and your mind. It guards your hearts. It guards what you feel. And it guards your mind. It guards what you think. Won't you see how all-encompassing this piece of God is? It's a peace of God that stands at post guarding your feelings. Are feelings bad? No, feelings are great. They're given to us by God. However, those feelings can... Think of it like a train, all right? all right? You've got an engine and you've got a caboose, all right? feelings make for a horrible engine and a great caboose you're tracking with that right if you're led by your feelings that's going to go south super quick however feeling emotion god gave you that that's not bad don't turn that off don't don't act like you can't feel that but we're led by our trust in the lord And says this peace of God that doesn't make sense and passes all understanding is going to guard our hearts, what we think, what we feel as a result of that, the the decisions that we make, the seat of our emotions, the seat of our will, the seat of our decision-making, he guards that. Have you ever been in a situation, have you ever made a decision while you were anxious and it went south? Decisions made when you're anxious and worried normally don't go great. You normally do things, you either you exaggerate the situation and you respond way bigger than you needed to. Why? Because your anxiety blew it out of proportion. Or you don't respond at all because your anxiety locks you down in fear. You're afraid to do anything, right? It guards your heart, your feelings, your emotions so that you can respond well and it guards your mind. It guards how you think. Again, as we think about our minds in this, how we think, it it impacts everything. As you're milling over these thoughts and milling over these things over and over and over and over and over and over and over, it accomplishes nothing good. All it does is stir you up. So, as we think about this, look back at verses 6 and 7. These verses that are just so powerful. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, Our society has created this false way of thinking that has allowed you to accept the idea that anxiety and worry are just a normal part of life. And what I want you to hear today from God's word is that's not true if you're a Christian. God's desire is to give you more. God's desire is to give you more. Where's your joy found? Is your joy found in him and him alone? Who's in control of your life? You or God? honestly where's your focus on people or circumstances or situations or on god and his glory and submitting your request to him in prayer now i understand that transitioning from an anxiety normalized life to a peace faith normalized life for some you're going to hear this message today and it's going to click and boom you're off like a rocket and you're amazing and you're awesome. And you sometimes frustrate the rest of us. <laughs> for others, this may be a bit of a process. And I understand that. And he, So here's where my encouragement for you is going to be. Here's what I want you to do. All right. Here's how we get there. When anxiety, the temptation for anxiety, wells up in your heart and in your mind. Here's what I want you to do. Let that be a God-given, opportunity for you to by faith practice this instead of mulling these things over in your mind over and over and over and over and over and over and over instead of talking to yourself about that talk to God which is in essence what you're doing right? you're just talking to yourself you're just mulling it over mulling it over mulling it over mulling it over instead of doing that present your request to God Give it to Him. Trust Him. Put this into practice. Anxiety and worry, the temptations for that may very well well up inside of you. I can almost guarantee it probably will. But when that temptation comes up, let that be an opportunity for you to trust Jesus. My joy is in the Lord and not in my circumstance. I trust God to be in control, not me. My focus is on the Lord, and I present my request to him with a thankful heart. I'm not going to sit here and mull over everything in my own heart. I've said it all before him. I trust him. See the difference? As a result of that, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate answer for your struggle with sin and anxiety. Jesus is the answer. He lived a perfect life on behalf of his people. He never doubted the Father. He never asserted his own human will over the will of the Father. He died to pay the penalty for our anxiety and overblown concerns and worries. He died for that. He took on the penalty for that so that you and I can walk in freedom from that and experience the peace that he gives. Jesus makes a promise in the Gospel of John. In this world you will have trouble. It's, it's going to happen. Right? That is a promised verse from Jesus. I know no one has that one on a coffee mug. But in this world you're going to have trouble. But he goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He'll also say in the gospel of John, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Jesus died so that you can experience the peace with God and then from that the peace of God. He has set you at peace with God through his death burial and resurrection and your faith in him and as a result of that you get to experience the peace of God and walk in full surrender to him. Um, I, uh, I asked our worship team to change up our song here at the end. I want to go back and I want to sing together the song that we finished with earlier the goodness of God and here's why again the key to you walking in peace is by you being absolutely soaked up and consumed and convinced of the glory and goodness of God when you see how glorious God is you realize that you can trust him in everything and you don't have to be anxious and worried is that situation bad yes do I want it to end differently than it seems to be happening yes am I do I have a loving concern for my children do I have a loving concern for my spouse that I think is lost yes and that's good but I don't have to be anxious and I don't have to be worried I trust in the goodness of God. changes everything. So I want us to end our time today just singing this over ourselves and singing this as a song of praise and faith to God, praising him for his goodness, thanking him for his goodness, and committing by faith that we will believe and walk in the goodness of God. Jesus, we thank you. We trust you. God, I pray for the areas in our lives where we struggle with this. I ask you, Lord God, that you would, today, God, I don't ask you to fix a situation. I don't ask you to fix a circumstance. I don't ask you to change anything. I ask you today that you would show us clearly how glorious and beautiful and good you are. And as a result of that, we're going to be at peace. We trust you for this, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
4: Oh, well, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been. Held.
0: Us for our benefit. I pray, God, that we would see you for how glorious you are, for who you really are. That we would not just hear the word, but that we would obey the word. Lord, transform our hearts. Let us walk in peace—the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of Christ and Christ alone thank you for these truths. We thank you for these times together. You are great. You are glorious. And we give you all the praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.